0: Hey, Queeros Cami here. Well, today on the podcast, Brian Michael Smith, an awesome actor from 911 Lone Star and a bunch of other things. I love this chat. What a sweetheart. Also, you can see a picture of me. Well, no, it was in my it was Brian and I, we we were at the Queerest Folk premiere together, but it was in my stories. And that's over now. So if you wait, maybe it's still on my Instagram. Okay. Shh, that's me to me. Now listen. I am going to be in Los Angeles, July 13th, Nashville, August 14th, Denver, August 21st, Burlington, Vermont, September 8th through 10th, Boston, September 11th, and then on sale soon. Those tickets are on sale now. On sale soon, New York, August 11th through 13th, Austin, August 20th. Do you want to come see me in LA or Nashville, Denver, Burlington, Vermont, Boston, New York, or Austin? Please, please come. Please come see me. Okay. Enjoy the episode. Oh, Cameron That's where you get the tickets. Bye-bye. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still on, darling. I know, I know, I know it's careless. Hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> cool. Well, let's get right into it. I always have guests introduce themselves. Will you introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Brian Michael Smith. I'm an actor. I'm living here in Los Angeles. If you want to see me, you can check out 911 Lone Star. It's um, streaming on Hulu now or the Fox Now app. And, um, yeah, here I am hanging out with Esposito and Co.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm
0: a full, I'm a full, I am actually a full company. That's a great point. Yes. Um, uh, hi. Okay. Yeah. So where do you guys shoot? Do you shoot here?
1: I don't know we this. do. We shoot here. Um, we did some shoots in, um, in Austin, because that's where 9 Lone Star is based, right. um, season one. So we're really excited about, about that. And then Corona came through and was like, you're going to stay exactly where you are and you're going to continue to shoot in Los Angeles and try to find areas in the Southern Cali area that look remotely like Texas that look nothing like Austin, which is which is fun for the the folks at home.
0: <laughs> well, sure. I mean, absolutely. 100%. I shoot a show that takes place in Boston, but it's shot in Vancouver. It turns out that actually those places don't really... Look that well, there's water.
1: That counts. We like water. The there's afternoon. water
0: nearby if you need to. Sometimes the characters need to walk on the water, like on the <laughs> not on the water, but near near to water. And you can do that in Vancouver, which is helpful. Um, yeah, talk to me about your experience being on that show because I feel like in I know it's a very popular show. I know that uh, a lot of people watch it. And I also know that like I was familiar with you before you were on there. But it definitely seems like a big step into sort of like mainstream. Uh, just folks who are watching
1: network TV being able to encounter you
0: is that is that accurate?
1: That is very very accurate. Like I've done um, guest appearances on TV shows. Like I did the mm-hmm. whole work your way up the, the TV mm-hmm. ladder. Yep. You know, I did like background work on uh, SVU. I'd end up getting a speaking role on SVU at some point. I did a uh, recurring role on blue bloods and uh i did another one uh, a pretty nice arc on um on an episode of chicago pd which is great because i watch all these shows so i'm like piercing the universe of these things that I, that I really like but um the role that really um gave me an opportunity to bring my sort of Professional and artistic desires together was uh, Queen Sugar, which airs on Own, which is Oprah's mm-hmm. Network. It's a cable-based show. It's it's a really good show. It's produced by Avery DuVernay. A lot of really wonderful uh, writers and um, female f- um, filmmakers get opportunity to to break into uh, TV directing through that show. But the 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 writing and the character development is is great. So I got a chance to play one of our first trans characters on that show, this police officer Twan. Um, and it was a it was great. But you know it's on own and like not every cable package uh, carries that. You have to subscribe to it and things like right. that. So when it came to um, the the next project, which was um, the, the L Word Generation Q, was kind of similar. It's like okay, it's a bigger reach. It's on Showtime. It's a show that has you know it's, it's being rebooted, so there's a built-in audience with it. So I'm being seen um, with some old familiar faces that have um, some recognition and then, you know, in a new iteration of that. So that kind of like raised the stakes, but coming on to 9 uh, one Lone Star was, as a series regular was um, groundbreaking for me personally. And then also historically, cause there was no uh, black trans masculine uh, series regulars ever. You know, that have been written in, in a television show. I hadn't known of any out black transmasculine actors who are playing any series of regular parts. Mm-hmm. That was huge for me as a person and as an artist, as somebody who has been trying to use my work um, to raise visibility. Uh, for for trans people in general, but you know, especially for trans men who don't often, you know, you don't often see them on on TV and uh, and film. So I was excited about that. I was excited to be joining this universe. I'm I'm a big fan of 911 and again, like police procedurals and things like that. So I, I just wanted to get a guest role on like the original show. So when I got yeah. the you know the information that they're going to there's going to be a, a spinoff uh, and that they were casting a masculine character, like I just went through the roof. And the impact yeah. of it wasn't lost on me either because. This is on um, Fox. And, you know, millions of people watch Fox. It goes into the homes of people in middle America who don't choose to subscribe to own or who don't necessarily choose to subscribe to Showtime. Right. Who, yeah. Uh, you know, who don't necessarily encounter or don't know that they're encountering trans people or trans representation. Um Right. Without a choice, you know, so here, here, here it is, you know, I'm just kind of in the homes of millions of people who may not know that they actually know trans people. So I was right. really excited about that and excited to bring um, an authentic representation for me into into that role and to also be playing a hero, you know, so not right. only am I, but I like this one of the most revered professions and like people that are elevated in our society are firefighters. And so to be playing a person like that being broadcast into the homes of people who, you know, may not necessarily know that they interact, you know, have interacted with trans people was like huge for me. Huge. Yeah, it's
0: it's a huge deal. I mean, it's, it's, it's a massive deal. And also, you know, um, I think it's also one of those sh- I'm not totally aware of demographics, but I would imagine that like, it's, um, that own is, like, mostly women mm-hmm. and um, that, you know I, know, I for sure know that the old word is, like, mostly queer folks. Um, and so it's also, I think, hitting, like, a demographic that's probably, I don't know. I don't know who watches police procedurals besides me. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I do, but I feel like, do dudes watch that? I feel like yeah. dudes watch that. I yeah. feel like that's, and like...
1: That's TV. where they go, because it's, like, yeah, where you get to see, you know some of the most traditional masculine ty- archetypes are totally in yeah. shows. The hard-nosed grizzled uh veteran detective the up-and-coming ambitious you know uh c- police right. officer you know we got all these firefighter shows everybody um you know these are the the heroes you know that outside of the superhero mythology that we're all into right now in the cinema mm-hmm. like when it comes to in your home most of the heroes that we're watching are first responders you mm-hmm. know um so there's a lot of um males who who are you know that are part of our demographic who watch this show and you know older skewing males as well
0: also here's a follow-up question why do you play first responders like what is it about you <laughs> that and then also or like on the l word you were like you're like a you're like a business type per- like it, yeah. there's like clearly you have like a gravitas going on with you or like a managing the scene thing like do you know why that is like uh, what is well, that about you that,
1: that it's a little bit my fault because i was trying to be strategic very early on in my career and i was uh working i was in new york and i'm doing um background background work uh, to like a learn how to be on a set and just kind of you know get some get some credit get some on set experience and one of the guys who was working on one of these shows with me uh had a police uniform he was you know kind of gathering the chicks right like listen listen they're always going, do you want to work? If you want to, you know, get background work, you know, uh, often, which is a great alternative to cater waiter and all the other sort of survival jobs you have to do. They always need cops because they're always filming police type shows in, in New York. And I was like, oh, that's true. And he's like, so if you, you know, have a SAG card, you can go to such such place and you can, you know, get your own uniform. They'll pay you the bump. So, you know, you can do that. And then on oh, top of that. my yeah, God. Yeah. So on top of like just being able to. Oh
0: my God. Okay.
1: Work, right. I got to pay that. Then I'm like, okay, the show I really want to be on is is like Orange Is the New Black or Law and Order. Okay, the series regulars on those, um, especially for Law and Order, you know, or no, especially for Orange Is the New Black, the series, the male series regulars were the security guards.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: So I'm like, all right. So I, I I was like, let me get my police uniform. Let me get some practice being a cop, get it in my body. Because whenever you have that uniform on, people will respond to you like you were a cop. So I got a chance to practice being different types of cops while being like paid, you know, for like 14 hours on my feet. And so I also have this experience. I know what it's like to walk a beat. It's like I did background work for 14 hours, but I know what it's like to, you know. So I felt like I had that kind of in my body. Then I had pictures of myself in uniform. So I went to the casting office. That was Oh
0: my God, what is wrong with me? I didn't even think about that. You're- this makes so much sense, right? So, you have you took photos in this uniform, no. it's like they don't have to do the there's no imagination required. No. you're no. showing up, no. you look like the person,
1: exactly. And Good then, and, and it was funny, I went for um, Orange's New Black, but the, Jen Houston's office was also casting girls, and so they cast me in one of my first speaking roles as a police officer in girls. Like I got to do this scene where uh, Jessa. Um, was uh, walking with uh, with uh, with Adam, and uh, she went to ha- use the bathroom in the street. And I rolled up on her, and you know, arrest her. And then you know, she makes a scene, and whatnot. But that was one of my first like roles, oh real. And then once they kind of see you in that, they're like, they'll bring you back for other things. So I played a cop a couple of times, um, and then uh, I got a chance to play an EMT on an episode of Homeland and like a hostage situation with school. And then I got a chance to play a firefighter on uh, the Detour um a couple of years before i got a chance to play a firefighter here so i was like I, I hit the first responder trifecta
0: got it okay i see what you're saying wait here's a wait hang on a second what first of all i guess i gotta i mean i'd love to be a i don't think i'm i'd love to be a firefighter on yeah. tv i gotta get the i guess i gotta get a uniform
1: Get a uniform just get some yeah. suspenders you know what i mean you get some, some pride suspenders and just you know get you some, some big pants and take a picture
0: oh my god <laughs> okay great Okay, well, first of all, <laughs> wild. Also, I mean, I can just borrow yours, right? I'll just okay. come over to your house and I can just borrow your...
1: I still backpack. have. I have my, I have universe. a couple of firefighter t-shirts and uh, I, I racked these hats from High, High Hollywood Fire Authority. They're really cool. Okay. And uh, I think I still have my of uniform somewhere in the closet.
0: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
1: Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st.
0: Then what's bothering you?
1: Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check.
0: What? Hang on. But so obviously it's like complicated for you to play. I, this is not true for. firefighter i think the same way but like it's obviously complicated for you to play a police officer because of a zillion reasons that are like now it's more complicated but you're always a trans you're always a black trans dude that was that was playing these roles and Mm -hmm. so this has always been complicated and i'm just curious about like what that experience is like
1: well it was for me it was like who am i playing like, am I playing the entire history or, you know, am I playing the historical context of policing or am I playing a particular person trying to do something? And what is that person trying to do? Right. Um, and that helped me sort of feel balanced about what I was what I was representing when I would play a police officer, because if I was going to be in a scene playing a police officer, I don't want to be part of a scene or playing a police officer that is contributing to um. Overcriminalization of black people to, you know, uh, racial disparities, to, you know, antagonize people, to being blind to what, what can happen, what has been happening, what we've seen happening, you know, you throughout the 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 police force. So I've always been mindful of like who am I playing? What is the story that we're telling in here? And I'll make sure that I'm not contributing to anything that I feel like um isn't true or is detrimental to the communities that I'm that I'm from. And then yeah. can I be a positive representation of of this. You know what I mean? Can I be a, I I do. uh, Yeah. And especially that was especially true for, um, for uh, queen sugar, because the the character I was playing was twine. He's a black trans police officer, you know, who's dealing with uh, his friend. And so he helps diffuse a situation that could have went left. Um, if he wasn't there, like if some other cop had responded to that scene, uh, with what Ralph Angel was doing, it would have went completely the other way, but because he was there, it allowed for his uh, tw- um, Ralph Angel's humanity to be seen and be protected, and for him to you know be treated with the humanity that he's due. You know.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I mean, it's again, it's like that thing of like what because that because it can also give folks a like false sense of security mm-hmm. when, when we um, show the police are as being like I think about I think about this all the time with SVU because i have long been a viewer Mm. oh my god someday please i hope to be honest with you but i've long been a viewer like i've been a viewer forever and i'm a survivor of sexual assault and i think and many almost everybody i know who like loves that show is a survivor because i think it's a show that like i don't know mariska hargitay but she seems to walk the talk that's number one she seems to walk the talk and has been for a while so that's number one so you so it's like okay i can a little bit relax in that Mm -hmm. and then two it is like the feeling of watching justice play out as you would want it is is healing Mm -hmm. and affirming Mm -hmm. then there's the there's like the cognitive dissonance in like And also, this isn't fully the truth. So it's like that complicated thing. Obviously, television is, you know, we're, we, some, in some ways, we need it to like be a wish fulfillment device and to give us the healing we might not be able to get elsewhere. Um, But then it is complicated to watch something like SVU for as many years as I've been watching it and, and just feel like that sort of heartbreaking thing when I turn it off, where I'm like, but that isn't the reality, you know? But But then it's also like, Is there an Olivia Benson out there? I don't know. Anyway, these are some of the thoughts I have. I feel
1: the same way because I'm a long, long time um, watcher of SVU. And what's interesting is that because all of it is available on Hulu, sometimes I'm actually, I went back. Now I'm watching it again. Totally. And I'm in like season four and you can see the evolution because that's right. how they were responding to people and how they were navigating yes. things in like 2002 is night and day to what they're showing as, as happening in like 2022. That's and, right. I, and I feel like I'm glad that we get to have this like possibility model. Like that's how I watch it now as like, this is a possibility model. I know this is not what it is always like, but I know a lot of people are watching this and you know, police officers included who will watch this and and, and go like, Oh, That's why you should talk to victims like this and not just drill them and ask them questions about what they were wearing. And that can come off as victim blaming. And this is why a victim story might change. And like because people are not going to watch instructional educational films, I'd much rather have an SVU on. In a world full of, you know, people who aren't, aren't going to watch that, who are not watching educational videos, who are not yeah. paying attention to the trainings, it's on in the background, just kind of there for them. Hopefully that they're absorbing because it, it exists. But then there's all these other shows that are doing, that are showing the other side of of what's going on. It, I, I feel like there's there's a bit of balance in, in representation with police and that there's only one svu and then everything else is kind of doing all the other things (laughs) well that's that's a good
0: point yeah Mm -hmm. so what you're saying is the key to education is just watch a lot of television like if you have to be watching more that if you're if you're not educated it's because you're not watching enough tv and there's so much that's the thing there's there's so much you gotta add some yeah um yeah okay cool i don't think i know this where are you from
1: I was born go? and raised in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And I spend, well, yeah, like, and like on the outskirts, like on the kind of like the border, like on the very east side. So kind of Ann Arbor, I, uh, half my family was in Ipsy, which is like the the cousin of uh, of Ann Arbor. They kind of they share a border. So a lot of my time was spent there in southeast uh, Michigan. And then uh, even though my family is from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, so I had a lot of, we spent a lot of summers going like downtown, mm-hmm. but I grew up, you know, in, in the Midwest. And then I went to college in Kent, Ohio, which was sure. So I'm like, who goes to Ohio? Like I'm from Michigan. Did you go to Ann Kent Harvard. State? I went to Kent State, and wow. it was like it was awesome because they had a uh, they had a really good track team down there. And I had I was looking for some who's going to offer me a good scholarship because I did a uh, track and field. What did you
0: What did you do? Were, what did you oh, Did you run?
1: I threw everything, and I pulled. You threw. I threw shot, discus, javelin. Got to cause like a hammer, a weight, like if you could throw it, they gave it to me. I Wait, is the good.
0: hammer the one where you, it's like you're holding it with two hands, you spin around in a circle? Exactly. Is that a like, hammer?
1: Yep. It's a, it's like a shot put on a wire.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So totally.
1: You spin that thing around your head, you spin backwards and then you let it go behind your head. And then the weight is like the indoor version of that, where it's like, it's just a handle in a sack, the 35 pound ball in there, 20 pound ball, same thing. You got to rip it around, spin three circles, throw it backwards over your shoulder. Let's see if you get how it. does
0: somebody focus, how does somebody decide to focus on the throwing things? That is not something that like, it just, it's one of those things where it's like, of course, I know people do this literally at the Olympic level. I know it exists, but like, is it just that you were really good at it?
1: Yeah, I, I used to, I I'd throw things like as a kid, it was not, you know, I was often told stop climbing on things, stop throwing things. I just, my whole deal was like, how high can I climb? How far can I throw any random object? and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just like. Are do you it. still?
0: Do, how's your arm today? Uh, well, maybe good. it's not. Maybe it's not. I mean, yeah. Number one, your arms look great, but I just mean <laughs> like, uh, can, is it the same? Is it the same um, type of strength that you would need to like throw a baseball, or, so, or is it like a different thing? Are you activating a different thing?
1: You activate some other things. The mechanics are different. Like you don't. It was shot, but you don't want to throw from here. You're like heaving it. Yeah, you, you have to push it off your neck. It's a. It's a push, and the discus is a whip like this. And the hammer is also a whip. if you try to throw that amount of weight, you tear your, your shoulder off with it, with the baseball, but you do need to use your whole body. It's all right side into your left side. If, if, if that, and then, um, pole vaulting. But I guess I got into it in high school. Um, I was on the football team. I was training and I was playing on the boys football team and the track coach from the girls team, uh, just found me and was like, you're coming to do track in the winter, right? I was like, oh, I was thinking about doing this. You're coming to do track in the winter, right? Yes. <laughs> that was uh, Mr. Uh, Brian Westfield. So was like, okay, sure. And so I got down there and, uh, you know, we did the warm ups, and we were running. And he was like, you know, what are you interested in doing? He's like, um, I, you know, I'm down for anything. He's like, you want to try uh, some throws? I'm like, okay, sure. And so he sent me around the corner to where they were doing the throwing. And uh, the the coach over there, Crystal Westfield, gave me a, a shot put, and she basically said same thing I just said right now. I was like, you know, don't throw like a baseball, or softball. Keep it in your neck, and just kind of stand here. Don't and don't step over this line, and just and throw it, you know, like this. And I was like, like this. And She's like, yeah. And I, I threw it, and everybody just was like, what the? Just stopped, and it was like, you know, those like moments in like a high school movie, like the record scratches, music stuff. And everybody just kind of like stops, and I was like, oh, is that good? <laughs>
0: You were like, next one, give, next time, give me a weighted one. I guess that like, one I, was. I had no
1: idea. Do y'all man. have
0: one that has weight to it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, how dare you just stand there flat foot throw that thing twenty five feet? Like, wow. I, I, don't, I don't know. And so I had the physique for it. I had the kind of mechanism for it. And then I just learned, like, I just trained on how to like spin and get the wow. mechanics down. But it was, it was, it was, it was really fun. It really taught me a lot about work because I have a lot right. of natural ability and a lot of talent. But if you really want to win something, or if you want to stay, you know, being able to do something, you have to combine the work and the training with that. Yeah.
0: You know? So you were a student athlete in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that is that yes, that is a wild thing. Yeah. That we was, like even <clears throat> allow people to do that, like it's like beyond just like, oh god, that is that's wild. That is like so much. Yeah. Mm.
1: Just being a student athlete.
0: Yeah, I think so, because I think a lot of people get to college and are I mean, there are certainly people who also work during college, mm-hmm. you know, and that so that's a thing that I think is hard. But I think the um, adding like the training and the competition that it's a whole other job, but it also involves like physical exhaustion oh, yeah. and then that you're supposed to be maintaining classes at the same level that other students are. It just seems like it seems really, really challenging. It
1: is. I mean, it's like the physical exhaustion and then the mental um development you have to do to be a competitor at a different level because like you know if you're like anybody else from your like you know it's not so great big town you're probably like great in your town and then you get to college and it's like you are in the mix with these athletes who are better than you because they've they've mastered it a little bit more so it's like going from you know I felt like I went back to kindergarten in some ways um, when it came down to 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 learning like I changed my whole technique because I'm like, something's not right here. I'm, I'm stronger than I've ever been. And I'm not throwing any further than, than I was, you know, sophomore year or whatever, in, in high school or sort of. So, it And so having to have the mental fortitude to like deal with that feeling of something that is usually easy being more difficult and then working through that in like a lot of trial and error and then competing, you know, like we're, we're trying to win championships and I'm competing on top of new classes, new rigor in, in the classroom. And then I had a partial scholarship for the first couple of years, and then I got a full scholarship, hmm. you know, so then also having to work to, so you know, how do I manage, you know, paying right. bills and stuff like that and getting used to all that. So it was a lot. And then uh, for me, about halfway through sophomore years, like, and then also what is your gender? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I right mean, that
0: Heavens to Betsy. So wait, talk to me about what you were just saying. So this is In understanding that you have yourself starting in college, you were on a track scholarship. Would this have affected your ability to continue having that scholarship, like this knowledge about yourself?
1: Well, not even just the knowledge. Um, It was more so what can I do about it? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, this was fall of 2002. And I just kind of I had went through a period in late high school where I'm like, uh, I'm like, I, what, I don't, I have, I've always had this dissonance and, you know, it's getting worse when I was in like middle school and high school. And like, I, I kind of found some balance, but I'm like, I don't know, I'm struggling. And my mom was like, well, maybe you're struggling so much because you never really tried to be a girl. Like you've always been fighting against it and you never really like tried it. And I'm like, that's true, I never really tried. <laughs> like I've never really leaned into like, you know, being a girl, but maybe I should, uh, okay, I'll try it. So I tried to be more feminine, try to dress more feminine, try to like pretend that, you know, when I play football, I just play football and it's just this other little bubble and everything else is what matters. Um, And, you know, just trying to separate myself from, you know, who I was when I was really young and, you know, who I am when I play football. just I'm I'm just, I'm just, I'm just just this girl. And so when it was kind of tricky in high school to do that because it didn't quite feel right, but I'm like, okay, at least when I get to college, nobody knows my my past. Nobody is going to, you know, interact with me, you know, as if I, I, I'm a masculine person, and I can start from scratch. I have this whole new, new, uh, identity and like, it should be fine. So freshman year I came in like trying to be as, as girly as possible, but it was like, no matter what I did, people would always go, ah, you're such a guy. Oh, you reminded my brother. And I'm like, I'm trying not to. So it was really, it was really frustrating because like, why am I doing all this? You know? So I feel like about sophomore year, I've just, it was really much like, why am I doing this? When does it stop? You know, when do I just be, when am I able to be able to just do what my friends are doing right now, which is just outside, they're playing with each other, they're running around and they're interacting with each other in a in a way that's just natural. And like I feel like I'm always pretending. I always feel like I'm dressed up. I cannot wait to get away from everybody. So I can go to my room, be by myself, and just dress how I want to dress and be who I want to be. It's like, why am I always trying to escape life, my life? I keep trying to escape my life and I hate it. And I and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, okay, well, maybe this ends when you know I get married and I have kids. I'm like, no, because one day my husband's going to come home, is going to find me like wearing his clothes and his underwear. And I'm going to try to explain that to him and the kids and it never goes away. So I'm like, okay, well maybe, you know, when I'm a woman, I was like, and it just really dawned on me at that moment. like, that's where I'm going. Like, I think I was 19 and it was like, I had been spending all this time trying to be a girl. I never really imagined like womanhood and like being a woman. And I tried to picture myself as like a 30 year old woman. I realized that's, that's the inevitable. And it felt so foreign to me, you know, like, just, I'm like, how, and I just, I I never felt lost like that before. I never felt like I never had a future. I didn't necessarily feel, um, like it was like a suicidal ideation. Like I just want to leave the earth kind of feeling, but it's just like, I, what's going to happen to me. I don't, I don't have a, I don't, that can't be my future, but I don't know what can be. And, uh, I just, I felt like I was like praying. I was like asking, i like, there has to be a way There has to be a way. And it was just like very quiet sort of like, there is. And I was like, And it's like you know what you don't allow yourself to ever think about. It's like you know you've seen, you know my point of reference at that point was like Jerry Springer. It's like there are people who live lives they they change over, and there's the two words sex change. It's a thing, but you know I was like I don't know, God, and da da da. I was like let me just just look into it. I never I've never entertained it. I've never allowed myself to entertain it. And so I I got up, I went to my uh, computer, and I asked Jeeves like sex change, (laughs) female to male, like is that a thing? And I came across um. A couple of little blogs, but I came across Jameson Green's website. It was like his biography kind of like promoting his book. And it just had like, you know, bits about how he grew up, a picture of him when he's a little little, little kid, a picture of him when he's like an awkward teen, a picture of him when he was like a, you know, uh, awkward, like older lesbian woman, and then a picture of him after he started transition. And it was like just this man. And I was like, are you kidding me? And it was like, you know, the scales off your eyes. I was just like, my heart opened up. I just felt like so much lightness and relief. Like, finally, like, it's not just me. There's other people like me and I have a path forward. And I had a lot of internal stuff to get through about like, you know, asking, is this for me? Is this what God wants for my life? Is this my parents? How am I going to navigate it? But in my heart, like it just unlocks. Like I knew, I knew that I was going to do it. It was just, how am I going to do this? And then how am I going to do this as a college athlete on a scholarship for a women's track team? You yeah. know? I, I didn't have the answer at that day but I slowly started to look into it and I just kind of got to a place where by my last year it was like the only place I really existed you know as as a female was when I would have to compete which was really difficult because I was getting really good and you know like it was almost a place where we could start training for uh the China Olympics it was like I don't I can't, I can't do this. Like I'm looking wow. for like, you know, wow. I can't take hormones. I can't do any surgeries, or anything like that right now. And it's like, that's the choice I have to make. Either I'm going to be my true self. or I'm going to keep this up. It's like, I I, I can't go on like this.
0: Wow. 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 So you were like really good. You, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, thank you for telling me all that. I mean, that's, that's uh, it's amazing. I mean, and listeners to the, The show will will maybe not be surprised by this, but like so, there's two things I feel when when you're saying that, and and I'm just curious, like human to human, if we can talk about it. Like the first thing I feel is like I feel so happy for you. That's the first thing I feel. I feel like I'm so glad that like something you know made sense for you and you found it, and like especially at that time that you're talking about. I mean, to like not have context and not have community and just um and somehow find this information and and be able to take steps in in the time that like made sense Um, I like I think that's so amazing and then I guess my other question is like all of those feelings that like you were not able to be free and running around outside like have those lifted for you because I feel I think I feel for me I feel some like those things haven't totally lifted for me in my life, even as I'm, like, more comfortable with myself than I've ever been. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes I get a little sad thinking that I will maybe never have that, like, finish line. And I don't even know if you're saying you did, because you were you're talking about before and, like, wanting to be those other folks. I mean, what is it like for you today? Do you feel at ease and, and in total alignment and comfy. All
1: yeah. Time. Like the, it's interesting because I'm very comfortable in my life right now in a lot of ways that I take for granted. Like, I don't, I don't feel it unless I like, like sit down and be like, Hey, you used to wish for this. And you're like, hmm. yeah, right. I did. So even though some, there's some, there, there's still some stresses, that I'm experiencing in my life. And there's still like some, some, some frustrations that may come up based on a certain situation where I'm like, Oh, right, you know, like family planning. It's like, it's not going to be as simple, you know, for me, but I'm, I'm around a lot of people who like, it's not simple for them either. There's been this right. sort of shedding of a sense of belief or feeling that a lot of what is challenging in my life is specifically because of my trans experience. And mm. some of it isn't, some of it is That's really, beautiful. Like, it's just, I thought it was my trans. One of the things that first opened me up to that, I came across this book. I think it was, oh man, oh I can't remember the title. I think hopefully I will, but it was basically about a, a, a man who became a single father unexpectedly, and he's raising this, his his son, and he's uh, just thinking about like he'll never be as much of a man. He's just not he's just not as as manly as his dad. And like so many of the thoughts that this man was having is exactly what I was thinking. But I was thinking it because of my trans experience. I just realized that's the universal like adult man experience where they just don't quite, I was like, oh, that may be more connected than I even thought, you know, regardless like body parts. So that sort of helped early on. And then that permeates my present where I just realized, again, there are things that I am struggling with because of my trans experience, there's things that are coming up in terms of what's being legislated out and taken away from us. That it's like, Hey, that is making me uncomfortable. And it's because I'm trans. I'm reading about what's happening to trans athletes now and the bands and all this kind of stuff. It's like that. I I'm feeling very uncomfortable. And it, it hurts me in a way because of I, I have trans experience. It resonates with me, but in terms of other life to day to day, day to day things, it's like, no, not really. Um, but it reminded me, um, when I just went back to Kent to do the keynote address at their uh, Lavender graduation, which is like, what? It, like I, when I was in school, I felt like we had like a, a, a GSA, it was like a small GSA. And like in the time that since I graduated 2005, they have a whole LGBT center. They were mm. on their like 11th, uh, G, uh, Lavender graduation. There was 88 out you know, uh, LGBT plus students. Amazing. At their graduations with their family and their like significant others supporting them. Like, so I was like, wow, so that was incredible. But like just to be back in that space reminded me viscerally in a way I hadn't felt before. What I felt like when I wasn't in fully embodied. Yeah. When there was just that long space and I had to live so much in the future to be comfortable with the present. Well, when I do you know, reach this milestone when I am, you know, who I am, when my face looks like this and when I can just walk through the world and people, you know, use the right pronouns, then I'll feel so there And like what being back in that space reminded me of how I felt during that time. And there was a lot of, I think the discomfort that you you're experiencing now, the degree of it was a lot sharper during that period. And then when I got out of college and I went uh, back home, I still felt some, but the degree had lessened. And then when I was in New York, I felt some of the degree had lessened. And then now it's like, it's still, there's still things, things are going yeah. to come up that just, but it's more situational as opposed to a constant.
0: For our listeners, uh, we had a little bit of a tech issue. Brian had to rejoin from a different device. So the podcast is going to sound a little different going from here forward because we're just using like a totally different device. But um really what's to be applauded here is perseverance, because this this could have just like gone to hell. But instead, <laughs> it's <laughs> been amazing. Oh, here's the question I was gonna ask you. Cause I feel like I don't I don't even know. Maybe Jordan knows or Earwolf knows what like the median age is of my listeners, but You know, I have some younger folks and then I also have folks that are like, I'm guessing you and I are maybe a similar age. And, you know, for you, this thing that you're talking about in college and then obviously there's harrowing backlash that's happening right now for trans folks participating in sports. But also the reason that backlash is happening is because there has been at all trans participation. So it's a different world than the world that you were in. It's not better i'm not saying these are um like fixed issues or or that any of these this legislation is good but it is just like of note that the reason it's coming up at all is because folks have been participating as they should be Mm -hmm. and i'm just curious about like how that feels because i know there's so many people it's just been such a fast there have been so many changes within my lifetime Mm -hmm. that sometimes i feel like the things you know like i didn't like get to take the person i wanted to take to prom Mm -hmm. you know or and that's like such a lower stakes thing than when you're talking about um you know being an athlete at the level that you were and i'm just like curious about any tips you might have about how you deal with that or if it bothers you or or if you just feel happy for others you know what what's your how do you process that
1: it's been, it's been interesting for me to try to process my emotions. I don't have a set emotion because there's it, been so much movement in such a quick amount of time. Um, I felt like I was just starting to um, celebrate and just like feel really good about seeing um, that uh, this next generation isn't going to have to suffer in the way that myself and my contemporaries did, um, feeling isolated, feeling alone, feeling like you had to jump through so many unnecessary hoops to have access to the care that, you know, had been established as standard for, you know, 20, 30 years already, but just it made it difficult to get through, like insurance wasn't going to cover it. So to know that young people had youth groups they could go to, that they could go to with their parents, that parents now had support, and that there was a network around like support and truth, coupled with visible representation in the media. So, you know, that helped sort of normalize and show like what was possible. So now everybody had these possibility models that were coming up. That felt Great. And like on one hand, I felt like really happy to see it. Then others, others I was like, oh, sad that I didn't get to experience that because, you know, we have to suffer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, geez, yes. if, I, if I, I knew very early on like who I was. And if I was able to skip having to go through an unnecessary puberty, I would have definitely done that. You know what I mean? And there's yes. a lot of undoing that later stage transitions um, you have to do. And then there's a lot of people are more attached to who they think you were when you spend that much time, you know. That's right outside of who you are, that it's difficult for the people that are important to you to sort of see you for who you actually are and who you have been. But, you know, if you're able to establish who you are, you know, at a younger age, talk about it, be open about it, have language and dialogue and not feel like you're the only one and you're not the one educating everybody as you're learning about yourself. It gives you a freedom, you know, that, damn, I wish I could have got to experience. And I'm happy that these kids and these younger people or, you know, people who are transitioning now got to experience and now i'm so mad that it's getting taken away mm-hmm. you know this is almost as soon as it kind of got established because of i don't know i mean how much unnecessary damage is now going to happen that didn't have to you know
0: yeah i don't i don't know i guess though since since you you just you know you just said that you do have frustration and pain around mm. your experience and like Obviously, we wouldn't want this for a younger generation, but but how do you deal with that? Because maybe that's exactly what somebody might need to hear. Who is being put in a position that even even if it is like useless and unnecessary, you know, so was what happened to you. So you're you may have information more than anybody about like yeah. just how to deal with those feelings.
1: Well, one thing I would say to people who are kind of going through it now is it doesn't last forever. I think Mm. the hardest moments of my time when I was in college, um, was just feeling so, um, just overwhelmed by what was happening in the present and all the things that I could not control in the present. And, and I was so deadlocked on the future and like how much better things were going to be in this intangible future. So like, there's a balance in like looking ahead, just knowing, Hey, there isn't a head and it's not what I'm feeling right now. Is not always going to be right. And I can change how I feel right now by changing what I'm focusing on. And that is what helped me navigate my way out of the difficult situations where I felt like I had the least amount of control is I was, I got to put my attention on what I do have control over at this moment. Yeah. And it's it's almost instantaneous how much alleviating that is. You know, it's like, Mm. okay, I cannot have top surgery right now. And one of the things I want to do after I have it is to just be able to swim because it's hot. Well, I can swim right now. I can There's nobody in the pool at my little complex or I can find this other thing and I'm just going to go swimming. It's not ideal. It's not the way I want it to be but if I just need to cool down right now and I just want to swim let me just swim and just see, see if that changes things. And I did. And it it would help, you know, it would help me kind of realize like, okay, in the moment right now I can control how I'm feeling based on what I'm doing. So let me change what I'm doing and laying on my floor right now, being pissed about this insurance denial letter is not going to change how I feel. It's not even going to change the situation. So let me just change how I'm feeling right now. If I change what I'm doing, I'm going to do something that does feel good. And then maybe, Once my emotions shift, some answer will come, some clarity will come. And usually that's what would happen. If I can get out of the emotional state by changing the action, some of control, the answers would come, or patience would present itself so that I could wait for an answer to come.
0: Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Okay, friend. Well, (laughs) um, We're about to, I'm about to let you, you know, head back into your day and do the things you need to do. But I always ask everybody who's a guest, on the show, um, if they'd like to shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you can be who you are, are today, would would you would you like to shout out a queero?
1: I'll say Kingston Faraday because he was the first Black trans man actor that I seen on screen, um, playing an authentic, like it was it was himself, like he wasn't playing anybody else, was playing any other idea of like what he, he was like. He's a trans man. He's playing and he's telling this story. It's like a day in the life. Of this like trans guy in San Francisco, I was like, oh my god, yes. Because there was a moment there when I thought like I was never going to be able to bring the two together. Either I'm going to, like I, like I had to sacrifice with uh, with athletics. Either I'm going to be you know who I truly am and give up athletics, or I'm going to you know do some version of athletics where I'm kind of you know curtailing myself. And it's, I thought mm-hmm. the same thing was going to apply to acting, where it's like either I'm going to be this this guy and I'm playing these roles, and I nobody knows about my past and I'm trying to like cover and hide these things. And I only tell, you know, stories that have nothing to do with, you know, trans experience or whatever. And I was watched him and I'm like, I can do both. And I want to do both, you know, maybe not all the time, maybe not every story, but like, I do want to tell stories from my experience or from this experience because there, there aren't any and it would have made such a difference to me if I, if I seen it when I was younger.
0: Yeah. Well, I can't wait to continue to watch everything that you do. <laughs> and I think you're having that impact, which is really beautiful. Oh, thanks thank so you. much for your time today and just enjoy enjoy the rest of this of this hot
1: <laughs>
0: hot la day
1: hey, man, well thank you so much for having me i'm a, a big fan of yours and i'm so glad i got a chance to like talk to you i love the questions and you know i wish you the best as well
0: yeah thank you always oh,
1: well, sweetie <laughs>